Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio Special Edition. Thanks to everybody who listened to my last episode, which is here for a reason, actually, because I want to make a really bad joke about what we will be talking about today on the Sunday edition, which is... So you want to animate stuff? Yeah, you don't. That is my bad cover of So You Want a Revolution, the Beatles song. I wanted to do this as a way to... What's the best way to put this? I often get a question when people find out that I am a formally trained animator who decided not to do it as a profession because I don't like sleeping under my desk. And... That question is, hey, do you still do you still animate stuff? To which my usual answer, since my training was back in my college days, now over ten years ago, was and still is. Like I can technically, I know how to, but I'm really rusty and it takes a long time. And I got this question from Slate as a kind of byproduct at, sorry Slate, I don't mean to throw you under the bus, but I got this question from Slate in an Instagram DM conversation that we had, and that was my answer. I'm like, yeah, I don't really do that because it takes forever and I don't have the patience. But what I thought would be interesting is if I put out a episode for the Sunday edition based on So You Want to Animate, which what that means is so you want to take part in animating something. You want to, if if you were to want to make an anime or an animation, this is, these are some resources and some stuff you can use to do that. Now I've got, I've got a whole list of stuff that I will be putting into description of this episode so you can have resources to go get software, hardware, the whole nine yards. A bit of a disclaimer here though, I'm not going to be focusing on CG animation mostly because that is super expensive and the process is significantly different for a bunch of reasons. Basically, the hard parts of CG animation is making the models, and then once you have the models, you just have to have the computer capable of animating them, which can cost thousands of dollars, sometimes tens of thousands of dollars. This is more for if you want to quote-unquote hand animate something. Now, hand animation is very different than it used to be. It used to be all by hand constantly. Let's start with a basic understanding of what animation is. Animation is a sequence of drawings that are streamed together, usually in a computer program, to create the illusion that they're moving. And when I say illusion, that's really what I mean. Every when you watch anim- when you watch a traditional hand animated film or show Every single thing you see is a still drawing that's presented to you on like a millisecond by millisecond basis that makes it look like it's moving. Um, If you are familiar with the term limited animation, what that means is when you see a 
anime characters' face and they're speaking and only their mouth is moving and nothing, no other part of the face is moving. If you think about the way somebody's face moves when they talk, the jawline changes and like there's, there's what's called squash and stretch, which is a animation technique that is used to convey movement or exaggerated movement. And now is where I want to get into what you would do if you wanted to hand animate. And when I say hand animate in this case, I mean two different things. First version of hand animation is draw on paper and create an animation with all the traditional tools and going cell by cell to create first seconds, then minutes, then 30 minute chunks of animation. Now, make no mistake, this stuff takes a long time. If you think like, oh, I can just animate a couple second thing, it takes way longer than you think and longer still. As someone who has done this at a college study level, not a professional level, but I was trained to do it at a professional level, I just never did, it takes a long time. Generally speaking, in animation, there's a the important thing to understand isn't the visual look of it. That is what a lot of people get caught up in, is the visuals are only half of the but the battle. The second half of the battle is the sound. And to conquer those two things at once, you need to think about a thing that I learned in college, I took class in college, that people refer to as the fourth dimension. <laughs> now, I'm not saying we're playing like fourth, fourth dimensional chess here or anything, but the fourth dimension is considered to be time. First dimension is sight. Second dimension is when something has two sides. Third dimension is three-dimensional. So think of it um, flat, two-sided, three-sided. And then the fourth dimension is time. Now, what animation... The reason why I say that animation relies on time is because if you've ever seen one of those old Godzilla movies, one of the things that makes it so funny is that the people who overdubbed that thing, especially the original Godzilla, had no control or no ability to adjust for timing. That's why the mouth movements are out of sync. That's why you see somebody say, oh my god, Godzilla, and their mouth goes for an extra, like, two minutes. Because the people overdubbed the original Godzilla paid no attention to the lip flaps that were involved in saying whatever the character was saying at the time. Lots of times they probably didn't even care. It was like the 50s. And America can be racist. I don't know if you've heard. So you have to, so first off, you have to really consider time. So then when you start an animation, you usually want to pick the soundtrack first. This is one of the reasons why Anime openings and endings are so often the, like, standouts of a show and, like, these, like, powerhouse awesome things, oftentimes done by different studios than the actual show because they are all about time. It is all about timing and timing either animation clips or animation or whole cloth original animation 
to a song. If you look at really famous anime openings, you'll notice this. Like if you look at the, the Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood movie, the bro- Brotherhood opening for again, you'll see that everything is timed with the song. The song is taking you through that opening animation. Another great and old um, example of this is actually the, I think it's second or third ending of Inuyasha, where you got this kind of like techno-y beat in the background, and it just, it like mashes up, perf- it matches up perfectly with like um, Kagome riding the monorail and like Inuyasha looking out and out in the distance of a lake. It, it, time is really important to animation. So if you're looking to animate something, I would stress that you first pick whatever you think the soundtrack is going to be and know it within seconds of itself. Because if you're going to land something on a beat, it has to land on that beat perfectly or else it'll feel just off. Or else what will happen is when the same thing that happens in those old Godzilla movies, reality will kind of fracture for a moment, and then you lose your viewer because your viewer will forever be thinking, is this, like, is this... They'll be basically paranoid. They'll be like, is it, are, are they speaking right now, or is it out of sync? I don't know. But in the traditional version of animation, what you'd do is you would go out and you'd buy the following objects. <laughs> And I'll, I'll, I'll list these, if, you, if this is really the route you want to go, I'll list these in the description below, as I said before. In the description um, of, the, of this episode, as I said before. You'd need what's called an animation peg bar, which is um, basically a three-hole punch bar, but it's, you can either get a normal one or you can get a fancy one. The fancy one has two oval holes at either side and the round holes in the middle. You would need animation paper, which is important because animation paper, uh, you can either get animation paper or you can get one, you can like print off a TV, a TV box guide from the internet, which I'll actually find a link to for the description, because you need to know the, what's, what's a no-go space. You need to know what is the space you have available to you for your animation so you don't accidentally put something out of frame when you meant to put it in frame. You'd need a light board because of either a light box or a light pad, which is what helps you know what your last cell was. So if you're making a walk cycle, you need to know what your first step is in order to put your second step exactly where you want it to make the character walk as fast as you want them to walk. This also helps you control the speed of your animation and the, what's the word, the cadence of a walk cycle. So you need, so right there, there's animation paper, a TV bounding box guide, I'm going to call it, and a light pad or light box. And uh, animation peg bar. Once again, you can get the specialty bar, which requires a special hole punch, or you can get a more standard three normal punch bar that you can use a standard like staples hole punch to do. Lots of people do that now because it's easier. Now, if you're working in a professional environment, you have animation discs, you have lunch boxes, you have all this 
craziness, but let's just keep it to this for right now. And then you're going to need a way to get your cells from physical into a computer. And from there, you need a capture station, which basically means a high-end digital camera and a and a, another space with another peg bar where the digital camera is lined up perfectly to shoot straight down. And that will be hooked up to a computer and a capture program of some kind, usually something like Premiere. So you can go cell by cell, put the cell down, hit the capture button, pick the cell up, put the cell down, hit the capture button, repeat until you're done. <laughs> this is after you've drawn your entire animation. Now, here's where I want to talk about process, because one of the things that they talk about in shows like Shirobako and in shows like Keep Your Hands Off Azuken, and really any major... Um, anime about anime, about making anime, they're going to bring up the process, which is traditionally in animation, when you're in an animation studio, you have a key animator who does all of the key poses, which means all of the starts and ends of movements are done by a key animator. And then you have what's called in-betweeners. And in-betweeners get paid by, like, the cell, get paid by the drawing. They all get paid by the drawing, but in between it seriously get paid nothing by the drawing and they do all the in between all the in between cells and emotion so if you see someone jump up punch punch the ceiling and jump down you the key animator draws the start of the jump and maybe a, a middle frame of him of that character raising their fist and the end frame of that character hitting the ceiling and then the in between is responsible for everything else now, in a professional environment, that is basically a that's like a production line thing. It means that the key animators get to do more, and the in betweeners also get to do more. But if you're just doing one animation, the best way to do it is to go from point A to point Z without skipping around. So you're going to do everything at once. You're going to do Keyframe, in-between, 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 in-between. Keyframe, in-between, 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 in-between. You're not going to do keyframe, 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 and then all the in-betweens later. Because that will... That kind of wrecks the flow, in my experience, but that's me. Once you get all of your stuff into a computer, if you want to color it, what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to use a program like Photoshop, to go in, fix your line work, do all the coloring and effects, and then recompile that same thing in a program like, like Premiere Pro or a video editor. And from there, you bring in your soundtrack, and if you have any dubbing involved, you there's all kinds of dubbing software, but you would basically record step you record that dub separately and bring that in in its own audio track so you can control everything because it's really important that if you have characters speaking in animation you can hear them speaking over the music which if you want a way that doesn't sound great listen to lots of stuff on hbo because hbo has the worst sound mixing ever um ever then you can export a video, and I'm glossing over a lot here, but I just want to do a basic 
like workflow for this. And you can export a video from Premiere Pro, whatever video compiling thing you're using. Now, if you don't wanna mess with paper, then A, this gets a little easier, B, it gets, it's just as time, it's almost just as time consuming. It can get a lot more, it can get more expensive. Um, not much more because you, with animation paper, with hand animation, you're buying, I mean, reams of paper, like actual reams and going through the entire ream, like at a time sometimes. But if you want to do digital hand animation, then there's tons of options for software, some of which you can actually use to bring in hand animation. One of which is a piece of software that I've used before that's a little light feature-wise, but is really beloved and certainly easy to find. A little funky when it comes to software management, but it's doable. And that's called Pencil2D, and you can find that at pencil2d.org. That is will also be in the description of this episode. And Pencil2D is a very traditional hand animation piece of software. Now, I should mention at this point that if you are going to be putting, if you're going to be drawing directly in a piece of software, you usually want some way to get that soft to, to draw with a pen instead of with a mouse because mouse mice suck when it comes to drawing. They just do. So you're either gonna want to buy a iPad app, something like Astropad, that can turn an old iPad into a drawing, into a pen tablet, or you're gonna wanna buy a pen tablet outright. I use Astropad, but that's because I'm not animating every day. If I was animating every day, I would invest in a pen tablet from something from a company like Wacom or a company like XP Pen or um, a company like uh, Huion, which is another drawing tablet manufacturer. And there's a huge range. They can cost anywhere from couple couple like couple hundred dollars to couple thousand dollars there are all kinds of caveats all that stuff but they they are kind of invaluable if you're going to be drawing on a computer proper if you are more comfortable with your hand-eye coordination which i am i just like to feel fancy by using astropad which has its ups and its downs um, oh, and by the way, Astropad is an app for the iPad, which, like I said, can turn your iPad into a pen tablet. Um, and it's got a one-time cost associated with it, which I think is about 30 bucks, but I'm not super sure. It's been a while since I paid for it because I bought, I bought it a long time ago at this point, like years ago. So you can, you can find all kind you can find all kinds of pen tablets that's, Great reviews on YouTube of pen tablets. If you give me a second, I will find the best review that I found for this stuff. Well, anyway, the um, the reviewer's name is Brad. I'll put a link to his YouTube channel in the description of the podcast. But basically, he reviews every kind of computer drawing tablet thing you could ever imagine and every configure 
configuration he can get his hands on. The way he puts it is he reviews hardware for creative professionals. Does He does a really good job of showing you exactly what the quality of life things are, exactly what you want to look for when you're buying something, what you'll get for a price range, all of that great stuff. But he's, he's really excellent. So you're going to want a piece of hardware like that and also a fairly good computer because all of this stuff is really intensive creative software. And as somebody who uses this kind of software in his professional life, I can tell you, if you have a crappy old laptop, this might eat it alive. Like, this, this stuff is really... It's not so much that it's memory heavy, it's that it's, it, can be, it can be processor heavy and it can push your computer's operating ability really hard. <laughs> you can look at computers that are capable of doing this. If you're going to look at a computer for animating something, you need to look at a computer that's capable of video editing. Now, in many cases, unless you've got unlimited funds, the best case scenario will be going with a desktop computer, which is smarter anyway because lots of drawing hardware is wired only to reduce latency. You're going to get more for your money out of a desktop at this point than a laptop unless you're going with a Apple product and then the rules of the rules for Apple products. At this point, I wanted to get back to drawing software another, and tell you about a couple other things that you might be interested in looking at. Something like Open to, something like Pencil 2D, but with a lot more features, is a piece of software called OpenTunes. That piece of software is used actually by Studio Ghibli. They bring in all of their hand animation and color it and format it and all that stuff in OpenTunes. Um, another piece of software that's fairly noticeable is formerly called Anime Studio, but now called Moho because Smith Micro is insane, is made by the same people who make who who made Clip Studio, which is formerly Manga Studio. That is it's really pretty full-featured animation, 2D animation software, and it's been used in Oscar-winning films. So take that with what you will. The important thing that you need to know about animation software is it's not about what peop what the company says is the best or what a company says is, hey, this was used for like the Secret of Kells or the Breadwinner, which Moho was. It's about what you feel after trying the software out, which I encourage you to do because the stuff that's not free always has a trial version. It's about what you feel best fits your style and your workflow, which you will develop over time. So that's some software, that's some of the hardware you'll need. Oh, and like I said, if you are really, if you have really good hand-eye coordination, you can animate with just a simple tablet, which what's called a pen tablet, which are significantly cheaper. They're around 60 bucks, anywhere from 50 to 60 bucks. You, the best ones in the world are that cheap, and they're from, they are from Wacom. They can go up and get more expensive if you get bigger ones, but it, oftentimes you can just settle for a smaller one and it can be really it, it's easy to set up it's just it's hard to 
adapt to because instead of drawing on a textured surface like paper, although you can go out and buy like textured stickers to put over your tablet, you have to learn control line control on a really slick, smooth surface. So if you are looking for a much cheaper option than a pen, than a pen display, you can go with a pen tablet. Once again, I'll put links to buy that stuff below. Now, to kind of round this off here, I already mentioned some of them, but I wanted to give you some good episodes and full series and movies of and OVAs of anime to go watch in case you wondered about the animation industry and the process of animation. One of my personal favorites is actually the final episode of Golden Boy, which if you've never seen Golden Boy, you're missing out on one of the best comedy anime probably created in all time. But episode, um, episode six of Golden Boy is basically Golden, it's basically Kintaro, the main character of that show, goes and saves a animation project from itself. And he becomes he becomes what's called an animation runner, or or product. He becomes a a glorified animation runner slash production assistant. But in that show, in that episode, they have a they have great conversations about styles of drawing things, mainly nipples. Like you get a look at what animators are like. You get a look at a good look at animation desks and the way animators have to live. It's it's a pretty no-gloss look at being a small animation studio and what that means. Another great and infamous show on this is Otaku no Video. That is, of course, it, it's kind of an infamously touted show, but that's about another one about an animation studio, but that's a whole movie. You can find that actually for free on the new Retro Crush service by the same people who did Agent Crush and um, Midnight Pulse, but that's available on basically all the platforms, on any platform where you can stream video right now. Uh, another old one that I was actually around, that I actually went to the convention where they held the voice acting tryouts for is a show called Animation Runner Karomi. Once again, the main character is what's called an animation runner, which means that she takes the physical cells from place to place to have them processed and for the studio to keep the wheels running. Probably the one of the more update probably definitely one of the most well-known ones is a show called Shirobako. This show is about the largely about the technical aspects of producing an anime. They talk, I mean, they talk about artistry and they, ha they have a very specific episode about one of the key animators and about her learning to do something in art, uh, artistically, and learning, re kind of relearning to do observational drawing um, for animation, which is a very specific skill. But I'll, also, I'll get to this later, but if you want, the greatest like art like art story of observational drawing applied to 
animation, the great story in um at the very at the tail end of Kingdom of Dreams and Madness about the view out the hotel room that they give press conferences in for Studio Ghibli. <laughs> it's amazing. If you haven't seen that movie and you're at all interested in the process of animation, I encourage you. It, I'm pretty sure Kingdom of Dreams and Madness is still on Netflix. You should go watch that movie. It's fascinating for a lot of reasons, but also it really highlights the way a master animator thinks. The last show... So I covered Shirobako. The last show is the most recent one, and that's Keep Your Hands Off Isaacan. Now, the thing about Keep Your Hands Off Isaacan that I think you need to understand if you if that has got you in a brain in a headset mindset that says you want to animate because you saw this show, is that it's it's one part reality, one part fiction. It it, it it's kind of the like balance of that show. The Skill at which they accomplish things in Isaacin, while commendable, is insane. Actually insane. Maybe, maybe the VFX slash folio girl in that show is capable of what she's doing. But the animation skill and ability, especially given the time crunch... That the two that the two animator girls I um forget their name I I only ever remember Kanamori's name because they called her Kana Money and that's stuck in my head that they work with it that takes years that that takes many times longer than they've been alive to develop now it's possible but it's they're producing whole minutes whole like fifteen minute long animations. Uh, on a time budget that, you know, you can only get a couple cuts done. It, so just know if you're like, oh, I would love to be an animator, doing that amount of cuts in that amount of time is many times suicidal. They touch on it a little, but eh, it doesn't re but it doesn't really lead to much except for exploration of a piece of software that does exist that helps fill out in-between work which is amazing to me, but I forget the actual name of that software. I should look it up. But so that, those are right about five shows that you can go and you can watch and you'll give yourself kind of a, not a, certainly not a full picture of the animation industry because there's a whole funding side that's insane, but a, a good picture of the animation industry. If you want a good picture of what is, of voice acting stuff, the great the great documentary by the person who who that was actually helmed by the guy who voices Bender from Futurama called I Know That Voice, and it is a celebration of voice of voice actors, people of voice actors first, not like Rihanna in Home. I, like Billy West from Futurama. I forget his name, but the guy who plays Bender and Jake the Dog. That's a really good look at at voice acting for animation. And you'll see people you actually recognize, notably E from Entourage. And you'll be like, oh, so that's what he does with his time. He's a voice actor. Okay. Which is interesting, but 
those are just some stuff you could go watch if you wanted a fuller understanding of the animation industry and kind of how animation as a product works because and this is one of the things I always tell people when they want to like go into the arts as a profession is are you sure you want to be creative for money or do you just want to be creative? Because it's a very different thing. Many awesome painters and artists, what they paint and sell their paintings, but chiefly what they do to make money is they take commissions. They'll say, okay, I will go and supervise slash paint part of a mural in a hospital for $5,000 so I can make rent. The thing about, you have to understand about a creative profession, and this is the last thing I'll say and then I'll sign off, um, is that it's different than doing something just because you love it. And it's fine to do something just because you love it. I do this podcast because I love watching anime and talking about anime. I, I, I gave up in college on the idea that I wanted to animate at an anime studio, I am more than happy being creative outside of that, being creative as an illustrator outside of that professional world. So even if you want to animate, it doesn't mean that you have to go into the animation industry. If that's your goal, much of the stuff I've given you here will help you with that. Once again, all the resources that I mentioned will be in the description of this podcast, but don't feel like that has to be your end goal. You can just create to be creative. On that note, if you like this podcast, I release a new regular episode every Thursday that's just called Lunchbox Radio, um, and I release a new Sunday edition every Sunday called Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. You can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using to listen to this right now. You can also leave me a five-star review in iTunes. Helps a lot, but, you know, five stars, five stars, no matter where you put it. So, until Thursday, I will talk to you next time.